me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I never get back. Hello and welcome to episode number 23 of the Sports Nuts Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Holtz, otherwise known as Holster. And thanks to my lucky stars, not my lucky charms. I was never a lucky charms fan growing up. Hate me if you want. Haters will always hate. I got a great co-host, the one, the only, Mr. This time it's going to be a lowercase MNR, Mr. Bruce. How are you doing today, Bruce? Tracy, I'm doing okay. I'm a fat man doing fat things. <laughs> Matter of fact, I had a physical today. And they had to take a uh, hair follicle for drug testing. And my head's pretty shaved. You know, I, I, I do it myself. Where I put a number one guide on the razor and just bzzz. So they had to do chest hair. So, and this is the first time I can honestly say I made a nurse laugh. She said, okay, got to get your hair. Take your shirt off. And as I was taking it off, I looked at her and I said, hey, try to control yourself. An old, overweight, white guy's taking a shirt off. Calm down. And I got not just the, hey, that was, you know, to be nice. Actually, you could tell she had a belly laugh going. So felt good after that. Anything that makes you at ease at the doctor's office is pretty good. Exactly. And uh, so now right in the middle of my chest, I got a big bare spot. So it's kind of actually kind of cool. And when they take hair, the hair follicle test, I thought they take like two, three hairs. Oh, heck no. There's a few hundred of them they grab there. I was surprised how much they grab. I don't know if you've ever had one. No, and actually, hopefully, I won't have to have one for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this, like I said, this was for a physical. <laughs> this was, this was for a uh, potential a job for me, in case anybody's wondering. And uh, but they needed a hair follicle test. So, and this is the first time I've ever had one. I literally thought they're just going to like pull a hair out, maybe two. Oh no, 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 no! She got that razor out. I was like, well. Alrighty then. <laughs> then I was thinking, I'm kind of glad they didn't do this in the back of my head like they do some people because they say, ah, we try to hide it, but now nah, there's going to be a bald spot. Well, and not to get too far off topic, I've always thought that hiring practices are a little odd anyway. I mean, yeah, I get the drug test. You're going to be driving a big rig. Yeah, definitely get tested. But on the other hand, I mean, uh, I, I applied internally for a job. Now, keep in mind, I've been at the same place now for 18 years, and I switched over to my current position about five years ago, and I was shocked to find out they ran uh, a criminal background check on me. And I'm thinking, wow, you guys had 14 years to figure that out <laughs> i mean honestly now is the time for the background check yeah now people that know me know i'm a huge anti-drug person any kind of drug but here's why i don't like the hair follicle test uh i'm going to use just pick on you for a second bruce let's say you used to do drugs he hasn't guys okay before it gets around let's say bruce has been clean for six months now and he's going for a job he's he's been clean he's trying to turn himself around he is now not going to get that job because he turned himself around six months ago where he would have passed the urine. Now, if you want to say, okay, we're not going to do a hair follicle test, but we're going to do a urine for you every two to four weeks. Great. So uh, that's why I'm not a big fan of hair follicle test. It, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say too intrusive. Businesses have their right to do what they want, but some people will not get the betterment when there's other ways they could remedy that. So, okay, no, no more politics talks. Let's get into the sports. So, the first thing I want to bring up is the NHL is listening to me. That's right. Uh, the NHL and their offices in Toronto sit back and they download Sports Nuts every week and they say, huh, Tracy has an awesome idea here. Let's implement that. 
So if you're not know what I'm talking about, uh, the NHL part of their rules change and everything. A few weeks ago, we were talking about how stupid the coaches challenge thing was about offsides. They're tweaking that. Yay! Now there's going to be further tweaking in the future. They said, but for now, what they're fixing is if a before if a coach challenged, they lost a timeout if it wasn't there. Now, if they challenge it and they do not get it, it's a minor penalty. So they got to put somebody in the box for two minutes, which is great. So, because before what was happening is teams were like, well, I don't care about that timeout, you know, and they were just challenging everything. It was really slowing down. So this kind of gives best of both worlds. And I say they're really going to have to think about this if they really want to challenge it, but they can still challenge it. Now, what they want to do is make a time period where the challenge can take place. So nothing happens like, you know, in the Stanley Cup finals where it's two minutes later, you know, they go back and challenge something. It, it's, but the time, that time thing has kind of dropped, but they said they might bring that to the future. So I'm very happy about that. How about you, Bruce? Well, right now, I think I'm indifferent to a lot of the changes because I think ultimately I'm more curious about what rule changes do and how they affect actually the officials on the ice. Because I remember a long time ago when they were getting ready to institute um, instant replay. And, you know, if, if a call was a little hazy, they'd go to the tape. And one of the accusations is that what would happen to the game is that they would be officiate. The officiating would just get worse as time goes on. But, you know, for hockey, I think every little bit, this is probably one of the few instances where I think it would help considerably to have a couple of tweaks to the current rules that they have, because let's face it, it's a fast game. It gets faster every year. I mean, it's when you compare skaters from, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, there's a seismic shift in how quickly the game gets played. The arenas get a little bit bigger. And even then, I think Edmonton has the largest ice surface uh, in the NHL, but I'll tell you, with the team that on that ice, that place gets pretty small pretty quick. Yeah, and for people that don't know, ice ice, two European rinks are a little bit larger, so it's a little more open and less physical play. And you're right. It, it's, um, if, if I remember, wasn't the old Boston, the old place uh, the Bruins used to play, wasn't that notorious for having, like, uh, uh, wet spots <laughs> just kind of pop up in the middle of the game? Oh, they called it the sandbox for a reason. I mean, the ice was in terrible shape. And on top of that, it was one of the smallest size rinks in, in the NHL. And, of course, I mean, it was tailor-made for their game because what did the Bruins of the 70s have is the fact that they had size. They hit you and they made you pay for it. But, you know, the game is different now. And the wider the ice, the players are faster. And I know the NHL is trying to move away from fighting. And I think it'll always be a part of the game, but it, it's still much different today. Yeah, I forgot. I think it was Gordy Howe's book. I was reading it. And I forgot if it was the old Boston Stadium or the old Chicago Stadium about how poorly ventilation was in it. It would actually fog inside there. And some days it would actually rain because of the humidity level and everything in there. And the fog would build up. And a couple of times games had to be paused just because it was so foggy. 
Oh, right. And if I remember correctly, the late 70s, you had the playoff game between the Flyers and Buffalo, which was actually delayed because of fog. And, you know, again, ventilation has come a long way. So, I mean, there, I think uh, there's also another series where they ended up uh, with bats in the game. So uh, the NHL has, uh, has come a long way in terms of HVAC. Exactly. So, uh yeah, um, I'm thinking big news uh, in hockey this week. Uh, big news for me. Uh, Marion Hosea from uh, Blackhawks is going to miss the entire season because of a skin disorder. Uh, it, it's, it has some kind of uh, fungus slash rash situation that just will not go away. And the pads something with the fabric on the pads and everything is making it even worse. This could be career ending. And uh, you know as well as I do in locker rooms how mildew and sweaty and especially and then the players to boot. So first and foremost, I hope he gets better and that goes away. Secondly, I hope he can come back because although he's a lot of times he's a player you love to hate, uh, I like I like players like that because it just brings more excitement to hockey. You know, Marion has been a huge question mark for me over the years because, I mean, he's a talented player. There's no doubt about it. But I recall, what is it, uh, when the Bruins were making a Stanley Cup run. Uh, actually, it was the year they did win the Cup. I know that at some point on the other side of the world when uh, Chicago was making their run for the Cup, um there was actually a lot of uh, rumblings about the kind of player Hosa was. I mean, kind of like the same kind of stuff that Rask was going through uh, at the beginning of this year, that when big games show up, he disappears. And uh, to tell you the truth, there was a there was a rocky time that I thought that Hosa was actually on the way out. But um, his illness comes at a good time. Let's face it, there's there's a little bit too much of a coincidence here in terms of what Chicago had to deal with in the off season, because this actually uh, alleviates some of their player cap space uh, conveniently. Uh, yeah, and the only thing that confused me so far in the Blackhawks is they they wanted to make changes, and you are correct. That really helps them out. But they traded um, Nicholas uh, Hjalmarsson to the Coyotes. The only thing about that is they traded away part of their weakest strength and to relieve some of their cap space. So you can really tell that they're saying, hey, we're saving our offensive firepower no matter what. Uh, And so that's the only thing that confused me, a weak point in their trading away to help them relieve some of that cap space. So that, that surprised me. No, I think what surprised me is now there's talk of uh, trading Kane. That actually surfaced today. So, I'm not really sure what's happening in Chicago, but I remember a couple of years ago, a friend and I were talking about the Blackhawks, and we were just green with envy of how they seemed to always refresh the the team. They'd stock the pond well, and here, here we are, maybe two, three years removed, and they're starting to fall apart at the seams. Yeah, they kind of reminded me of the 90s and 2000s Red Wings, where it didn't matter. Uh, every year they were there, they were there, they were there until last year for the first time in what, 20 years they make the playoffs. But it, it, it was just, that was like Chicago. They could reload. They might not make it all the way, 
but they would participate every year and the next year they'd go deep. Then they would, you know, maybe get close or maybe make it a the playoffs. Then the next year they'd go deep and that was consistent. And it really looks like they're trying to do a, a reload without a full start from the bottom. Uh, that's the only thing I can think they're doing right now. Well, and before we get to the the bigger news in terms of you Dallas fans, uh, I'm actually one of the trades that actually flew under the radar, but I thought was extremely huge was the pickup that Calgary did when uh, they picked up uh, Mike Smith from the Coyotes. I think that now they have a legit number one goalie who could actually bring them very deep into the playoffs this year. Yeah, I saw that. Are the Coyotes finally saying, hey, we're going to rebuild? I mean, from totally rebuild, not a working rebuild. Uh, And is that why they got rid of their coach? Oh, that's a tough one because I don't think they know what they're doing in Arizona at all. All I know is this, as weird as it is, the team on the ice is still getting better. Yeah, so that's what um, I read, and they just said it was differences of opinion you know, for the direction. Well, that's kind of standard. You know, if there's no, you know, difference in direction of the future, he'd still be there. So that's, that's kind of just like an answer. So I was, I was thinking like, are they, and then the trade, are they trying to rebuild when they're just going to crash hard one year and, or are they doing a working rebuild? And I, I, I can't tell, right. I, I can't, I, if I'm guessing I'll say working, but I don't know how that's going to work. Well, you can join the rest of us on the side of the ice right now and watch what's out there because I'll tell you they've got us they've got an exciting team, but uh moving Mike Smith out of there, I I'm hard pressed to remember who the backup on that team is, but I know that when you move a building block as big as Smith, I mean I probably would have hesitated at least another two years before uh, I even consider moving a player of that magnitude out. But uh, you know what? I'm not the GM, and I'm luckily not a fan of the Coyotes. So I will be interested in seeing what happens with the team in the Southwest. But I'll tell you, as far as I'm concerned right now, what you have in Calgary is a bona fide playoff team. Yeah, and speaking of general managers, uh, Nail for the Stars did another good one. And I hate, I'm a Stars fan, so I hate to say, you know, he's just saying that. Now, the Stars traded for the Golden Knights. They got Mark Method who was from uh, Ottawa, who was voted by his teammates as the most valuable player in the locker room and on ice by other by the teammates, which says a lot. The goaltender in Ottawa said, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have had a great year. Well, uh, Ottawa, Ottawa put him on the table because they were trying to wonder which way they were going to go. And... Golden Knights picked him up, and a lot of people said, okay, they're picking him up. They might trade him, and they put him on the market, and the Stars picked him up, and they really paid almost nothing for him, which surprised me. They gave up a second-round pick in 2020 and a goaltender they just drafted in the ninth round. So that's almost nothing for a bona fide top-four defense. Bonafide top-four. And he's going to really give, if the Stars, their defense is... Well, let's just say, I'm not going to say bad. They they have like offensive defense. So like Klingberg, he's always been the offense of defense guy, but he was exposed a lot. You tame you you pair him up with you know Mark now. Well, 
that gives a little more insurance on the back end. Uh, he's a stay home, work hard, gritty, get stuff done. Not going to be a scorer, but they don't want him as a store. They want a true top four defensive guy. The Stars picked him up for almost nothing, and the cap space was real friendly. And the, like we were talking about, which goalie, uh, Niemi is the one that looks like they're going to give the buyout to here in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, this was big for the Stars, giving him a true top four D guy. Well, and as a Boston fan, I'm uh, green with envy, but also red with rage for a couple of reasons, because I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is the Boston Bruin front office is trying to do right now, because to allow a player like that to slide under, I don't get it, because the thing is, is that, yeah, Boston's got a young defensive core, and they do have some 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 pieces in place that I think will be good. But I'll tell you, Methot would have been huge, huge on that back line. And, you know, I think for that, the price was right. They could have held on to him for a couple of years. The Bruins right now lack character as a team, and they have no identity. And a player like Methot doesn't come along very often. I've often lamented the fact that when they lost Sean Thornton, they lost their identity. When they lost Andrew Ference, again, they lost their identity. Uh, key role players, because, you know, there's so much more than, you know, obviously skill on the ice is one thing. But you know what? There are times where the season is 84 games long and you need players that remain focused and you need other players in that locker room to help them stay focused. And uh, good for Dallas for picking them up. But you know what? There are two players that Boston could have easily, easily dealt for had they had their heads up. And the other one was Jonathan Druin, because when he went to Montreal, it's like, are you freaking kidding me? But all things being what they are, they still have um, Ryan Sir to deal with, and I'm sure at some point uh, a package of Sooner and possibly, possibly Bolesky out to somebody could ro- rope in maybe a, a winger that we desperately need. But again, good on Dallas for keeping their heads up and bringing up Mathot. You guys have a lot of good stuff heading to you in this season. So how happy does their new goaltender have to be now? I mean, because that was probably one of the things like, okay, some games I'm going to have to stand on my head almost every game. Is it, this is going to be like just that little exhale he has like, okay, I'm not by myself. I at least have something little there now. Well, also, we, po- we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. One of the great things that Dallas has in Ben Bishop is the fact that he can move the puck up the ice. You've got a second, uh, I'm sorry, you have a third defenseman back there, too, who's capable of moving the puck because he was so crucial to that Lightning team and building up that defense. The fact of the matter is this. He directed what happened um, behind the blue line. And you've got, you need those kind of players that help quarterback. If you guys got some young defensemen in Dallas, I'll tell you right now, by the time you guys get to the midseason, that team hits on all cylinders. There's some mighty dangerous hockey coming out of the South. Ooh, I like hearing that. I like hearing that. It's uh, okay. Enough of this and that. Expansion draft. Wait a little bit. Did you watch the expansion draft? No, I actually basically just uh, had ESPN sort of stream the results. I know it's sort of counterintuitive given the fact that they almost never cover anything noteworthy in the NHL, but at least they could uh, let me know who was choosing what. 
Okay, yeah, here is why I thought it was a failure. Uh, Off-season, the NHL has usually two big events uh, that are televised. One is the draft, and secondly, it is uh, the awards dinner. They could have had a third with the expansion draft. They kind of threw the expansion draft and the awards together. So now it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, it's an award show. Yeah, okay, it's an expansion draft. They really could have had, okay, here tonight is this one. Tonight's this one. And the day before the draft, where everybody has to like get to Chicago immediately from Las Vegas immediately after, they, I think they, they, they I think they could have been better off. The week before the regular draft, Friday night have the expansion and Saturday night have the awards. Because that way, if anybody's on the new expansion team, they can wear the new jerseys. So, And then the next week have the draft. Instead of having three big events, two nights in a row, to me it was kind of a letdown to the NHL. for They could have got more exposure and more people trying to, you know, maybe more people interested in hockey. Well, I think. What disappoints me in terms of the way the NHL covers these events is it's a difference between night and day. You watch the NHL in their draft, then you watch the NFL in their draft. And, you know, with the NFL, uh, sometimes I think, eh, what's a draft? But then you look at how thorough those people do their research and get their homework done. Because when a team is up for pick, they already have on the screen videos of all the potential picks. And the best part about it is they give you like 30-second uh, snapshots of the player profiles and the things that they can do. And I just I feel that the NHL draft sometimes is incomplete the way they, they set this up. And I really wish that they would have somebody that has some television savvy or some smarts because the NHL could be packaged better than it is now. Can't disagree with you there. Cannot disagree with you there. So, expansion draft, any shocks or anything kind of came down the way you thought? No, I think that actually everything happened exactly the way you thought because uh, on one hand, they built up the middle like I expected they would. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury was a given. And, I mean, even before uh, the list was released and Pittsburgh was already negotiating the fact that they were hoping he would, um, you know, give up his no-trade clause, which he willingly did. So good on him for that because I think uh, it also takes away from any potential distractions in the upcoming season. Let's face it, he's going to be the uncontested goaltender here and maybe it's the change of scenery that'll help him because um he was starting to get that um uh that sort of stigma of not being able to win the big games and let's face it i think with what happened with roberto luongo down in uh, florida once the pressure's off you play your game and your team becomes competitive so maybe that's where the knights will be yeah, um, looking at the team, who they had, what they had, nothing really big is, but the Mathot kind of shocked me because I thought they could use that true big number one defensive guy, and he would have been it, and giving him up for little they did. That was my shock, not necessarily getting him, how little they got for him because in what he could have been playing for them for a year, unless his uh, – manager and everything went to them and said hey he does not want to be here with you guys get rid of him he's going to be very unhappy we don't know that most teams aren't going to say if that happened but if that wasn't it that's what shocked me 
Well, I get the stocking the pond thing, but on the other hand, you know, you want your team to hit the ice and you want them to hit it hard. I can't believe that what they have on defense right now is better than Mathot right now. I just don't see that. But uh, again, I'm not coaching the team. So, I mean, you're just taking my opinion of it. And the fact of the matter is, is that uh, they could have, they could have definitely used a big man like that. So, I think we'll see how that plays out. Um, the draft picks, that's also another thing. I mean, let's really take a hard look at draft picks because, you know, every once in a while there will be a player that shines. But I look at the Boston Bruins in the year. So let's just take a block of uh, roughly 30 years. And I will give you the gigantic picks for uh, for the folks that they've had over the years. Joe Thornton. Yeah, in fact, he becomes a free agent this year. Um, had a, a, a spectacular career with Boston. And um, I'm not going to include Ray Bork in this because this was this was a little further back. So, um, And uh, Tyler Sagan. Those two guys are the ones that really come across. Patrice Bergeron, I think, was also huge. Those are the quick three that come to mind when I think of uh, – uh, the people that they brought up and drafted well. But in between then, there's a lot of garbage there. And that's why I think that on one hand, I I, I don't put as much uh, faith in bunches of draft picks because, again, you're hoping that the next two years are going to bring you some things. Let's face it. I think that last year's draft, or actually the year before, was probably the best we've seen in quite some time, and I don't think we're going to see a draft like that for a little while now. Yeah, it's the only thing that really, if there was a a surprise in the draft, was, I want to make sure I get the person's name right. I'm looking, I'm looking. We need some, uh, you know, uh, music here, you know, Jeopardy music or something. (laughs) Well, you know, again, I think what we're looking at, too, is that uh, with the uh, minor minor league hockey playing and what we're seeing from there, too, I think uh, the AHL. Um, I'll be very curious next year. I will be attending the all star game and I want to see what the best of the best over there look like. Yeah, the matter of fact, coming here in about six weeks, uh, KHL goes to training camp. So I'm excited over that. Okay, yeah, Sabres number eight. Uh, uh, Casey Middlestat went to eight, and I thought he could have been a top three. He he surprised me falling all the way to eight. To me, that was a big surprise in the draft. That and the Stars drafting a goalie in the first round, but albeit they had two first round picks late, all, all said he was the best goalie in the draft. Uh, that's kind of a surprising pick to me. Not necessarily Bishop, but the young, but uh, usually the stars aren't known, you know, especially under this administration, uh, trading up for a position that's, you know, necessarily not that way. But uh, um, I think Casey Middlestat could be the best out of this draft uh, looking at what things done here and there i really liked him 
Well, I think one of the biggest winners in this particular draft was uh, Boston University, which is kind of surprising given the fact that, you know, the man, the institution, the legacy of Jack Parker is no more. And yet BU still rolls on and their program is top notch. Uh, They've been stocking the NHL for years and this was actually no exception. They picked up where they left off and uh, there's a lot of a lot of good players from BU over there. Yeah, this, like we were talking, uh, Jake uh, Olinger, the goalie, Boston University. For a long time, it seemed like two big juggernauts for for hockey for schools was Boston U and UND, University of North Dakota. And I'm not saying that because I'm from North Dakota, but it's always been a huge stocking too. And probably about oh five six years ago, uh, do you remember? Uh, the defense used to play for the North Stars, then the Dallas Stars, Lettinen. Oh, yeah. He used to be part owner of a minor league hockey team. Uh, and I went to a game and I saw him. And I had a UND jersey on. And he came up to me and said, hey. So we talked a little bit. And I asked him, I says, why do Canadians go to UND? And he says, it's easy. It's very easy driving distance everywhere. You know, the uh, Calgary. And then you have uh, Mont- or, uh, Winnipeg and um, Edmonton, for lack of better, or in that whole area there, driving distance for the family to go see college hockey. And I was like, that makes sense. So uh, that is why North Dakota gets a lot of Canadians to come down. Now, I wanted to back up for a second when you mentioned Buffalo. If there were ever a time for somebody to have sort of like a stock report warning, it would be any Buffalo fans out there, you can jump off now because I've got to tell you, one of the more troubling reports that came out was when they fired the general manager for both the Sabres and the Bills. It was interesting because um, the Pagulas run Buffalo. And I have to tell you, this is an owner that doesn't know the sport. He doesn't know football, and he certainly doesn't know hockey. And he's determined to make sure that uh, the comment was, I'm going to get my hands dirty in the NHL. And I got to tell you, that will not bode well. Uh, Jack Eichel should just play out his contract and start looking for his next team. Yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he's going to, because Middlestat still might play for Minnesota this whole year and not, you know, go to the draft this year at all. Might not sign a contract, not, nothing. So he's probably going to stay in college year, which is kind of saying. So maybe that's a good thing, kind of staying out of their system for a year so he doesn't just get kind of uh, defeated. And while I'm on the subject of Buffalo, that brings up the curious case of Teddy Nolan. Now, Teddy Nolan took over the Sabres before Lindy Ruff did. And I have to tell you, he was my favorite coach hands down because he literally had nothing to work with. He didn't even have management on his side. But when the day was done, uh, this is a man who got coach of the year, and it mattered nothing to him. And then for something... The he was ultimately let go, and that I could never figure out because, again, rumblings of him being an alcoholic or whatever it was, it shouldn't have mattered. And then when they hired him again uh, a couple of years ago before uh, uh, Bilsma took over for him, uh, uh, that was a curious case because they hired him back knowing full well that 
they would ultimately fire him. I, I'd like to get down to the bottom of what's wrong with Teddy Nolan, why nobody will hire him. Because I got to tell you, the reclamation job that he did with Buffalo uh, in uh, in the eighties, I think, is phenomenal. That's uh, and how he never got his way back. I'm just not sure. Uh, you know what? That's my homework for next week. Research time, research time. And another thing about the draft before I want to bring up, Boston again selects the person with the hardest name to pronounce. For some reason, they get a player, you can put everybody's name down. I will look for the hardest name to pronounce, and odds are it's going to be the Devils or Boston. It's going to be one of the two that drafts him, and this year it was Boston. Uh, Arujo Vakakaninen, yeah, defenseman from Finland. Yeah, uh, so Bruin gets it this year again well from true Bruin fans around here don't try to remember the name because he'll be forgotten before you know it there's nobody I've spoken to that's happy with this you know he could be he could be a good kid that develops up and uh, yeah I hope that's the case I'm not holding out any hope for this he wasn't even rated in the top 20 in terms of players and we chose him 18th overall you know what uh, when the day is done um, next year, from what I see right now, Cassidy will inspire them till about midseason, and then we will see where the shortcomings of the Bruins are. And it'll be interesting to see if Cassidy can adjust in time to save possibly a playoff. But I got to tell you, Boston should not be surprised if we miss it again this year. Yeah, and this is, he looks like he's two to four years away, like most young defensemen, from really making an impact. And in that case, you know, Carlo, uh, Magero, Lingren, uh, and now him, three, four years, that defense could be solid. I'm talking, uh, you know, Nashville solid, you know, I mean, just like shut down solid. So, uh if there's something that boss look forward to is their defense a young is uh, for talent for age. I don't know if anybody can be Boston right now for the young defenseman. I really, really don't. Uh, it, I'm trying to think. I don't know who Dallas isn't even there and they got a lot of good young defensive people. And, but yeah, so that's something to look forward to if you are a Bruins fan. Well, I'll hold out hope for that. We'll see. But I've been a Bruin fan too long, and I told a friend the other day, you know what? I'm just totally jumping on the bandwagon now. Whether they do it or not, I will ride the good times when they have the good times and step off when they're in the bad times. Yeah, but one thing about Boston is you walk around Boston and you still, no matter what, how good, bad, you will still see the Bruins be hockey jersey worn around all year long, so... That's how he's going for Boston. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, let's face it. Every and it's funny because the blue collar worker is the one that always has the Boston Bruin hat. You never ever see a Boston Red Sox fan like that. Uh, most of them are, as they refer to around here, pink hats. Yeah, and other than that, the draft. Uh, no, I think the babyface award goes for Edmonton Oilers pick uh, twenty-two, uh, Kyler. Yamoto, he does look like he's like 11 in this picture, maybe 12, you know. Uh, so he gets, uh, they get the baby face award. But other than that, nothing too shocking, surprising, uh, with the exception of Dallas trading up for the goalie. That kind of shocked me. I'm very happy that, don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, other than that, nothing truly, 
you can tell everybody's going for centers. Centers are a premium. They're premium right now. So uh, it that's you could see that. Other than that, no, not a real surprise anywhere. Real surprise. A couple like order here there, but yeah. In some ways, didn't you almost feel like this was sort of an anticlimactic draft? Because, I mean, look at the last two years. I mean, they've been phenomenal. We, we didn't see a Conor McGregor or a Jack Eichel uh, taking on each other. And let's face it, Winnipeg had uh, Patrick Laine, who was a, a sort of a dark horse who emerged pretty strongly in the season, you know? Okay, I'm going to ask you, four years from right now, who's going to be the best player in this draft pick, your opinion? That's, I'm not even going to attempt that. I really don't think anybody will emerge out of this draft. It, for me, it was wholly unremarkable. Yeah, no, I'm not saying uh, who's going to just be the standard. Who do you think will be the best pick in this draft? I will have to come back to that because uh, nobody really stood out to me on this. And, uh, you know, if there's one person that has a chance... Uh, it was the player that Philadelphia picked up, of all things. Um, even though this was a player that uh, apparently gets hurt, um, he was injured last year. But uh, I think that Philadelphia tends to pick really hardy players. And I think that the, the kid that they picked up, he'll probably be molded into a grinder like a lot of the other players that fit the Philadelphia mold. So I, I would say if anybody has a potential for success, it'll be the one that Philadelphia picked up. Morgan Frost? Yes, exactly. Here, I'm going to take the cheap way out of this answer, okay? I'm going to say Jake Odinger, the goalie just because a goalie has a chance to make the biggest impact and he'll need at least four years really to be there. So I'm kind of taking the cheap way out of this answer since he was the only really goal he taken. He has a chance to be the best pick out of this draft. So yeah, call it cheap pick, but I'm doing it. Oh, before we forget, I, uh, I can't believe I didn't look this up. Uh, Chicago trading away Panarin. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. It, yeah, it, that's that's why I'm really thinking Chicago's really trying to do the rebuild without a total teardown. So, yeah. A, but a Panarin's, what, 29, 30? I, I, I'm speechless at that because I don't know what they were thinking. This this kid scores 80 points. That's uh, I'm just floored by the fact that Chicago thought, I'm okay with giving him away. Yeah, I... I don't have an answer for you there. <laughs> I wish I did. But uh, I guess here's why, although I'm very confused everything Chicago's doing, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for the smart moves they have made for this long. So I'm not going to criticize them till the end of this coming season. But if it doesn't work out, there is going to be heads rolling in Chicago. I, I really believe so. If it's because some of the stuff they're doing, but I want to give them the benefit of the for now, just because how solid they have been. But I think this is a one-time pass though. Okay. That, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. But like I said, if, if they're one and done in the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, uh, I think there's going to be some wholesale changes, manager slash general manager, uh, front office. Well, I'm hoping Joel Quenville doesn't suffer for it because uh, I think as far as some of the coaches that are out there, Quenville has been one of the quietest guys out there who just does the job and gets results. 
yeah, if he leaves coach in Chicago, who's going to be the first to snatch him? That's I think that's what it's going to be. If he gets canned, it's going to be like, who can call him and give him the most money first? Well, I also think at this point, too, will he want to continue on because he's been coaching for quite some time. I mean, he's amassed some good seasons with both St. Louis and Chicago. Uh, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, oh, the Islanders are desperate and they'll open up the bank. He'll probably take a two or three year contract get what maybe 10 million out of it and call it a day if i think that's a cheap way out i'm hoping that's not what he does but uh i don't know i have a feeling that the islanders will become coming calling at some point if that were ever uh a, a, an option yes and uh just to be fair if uh the stars don't make the playoffs or one and done don't be surprised if Hitchcock is canned after his first year. I would not be shocked at all because uh, he's having a hand in a lot of these decisions. And if they're just not gelling or clicking, uh, don't be surprised if Hitchcock is gone. Well, I think he's got enough to work with. And I don't think there's any there's enough of the old guard to really cause a problem in his first oust. So, um, I don't know. Like I said, this... These are the good kind of question marks that Dallas will have going into the season. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't be complaining too much about that. So uh, anything else about the draft you want to bring up? No, uh, surprisingly, this is June 29th, and it's amazing how much hockey we've had to talk about. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, Okay. Anything else in the show before we start wrapping it up? No, we, we really covered a lot of ground, and I think we've said our piece. And, um, you know, before you know it, uh, we're going to have rookie reports. I'm excited about that. Hey, while I wrap this up, I do want to let everybody know that coming up here in the future, I will be doing some training, so I'll have been a hard time uh, recording. But Bruce is nice enough to what we're going to be doing is recording some special episodes where the stuff isn't time sensitive some really good topics i think you guys will enjoy and we'll we'll throw them in on the weeks i can't record so if you hear something about starting up and there's no real show number whatever that's what's going on and it's only temporary people it's only a couple weeks so don't worry about it and it's over a couple month period missing you know two to five weeks i don't know but we'll have some shows in there we should have some shows for you. I just want to make sure you guys know that everything is fine. Bruce didn't fire me for incompetence or anything. It's just some training going on and just won't be able to get in front of a microphone. Saying that, thank you everybody for downloading and taking time out of your busy schedule and listening to this episode. Any comments, questions, corrections, or concerns, please email Tracy at podness.com. If you want to join us, email that there too. And we will get you on. We normally record Tuesday night. So if you guys want to just hang out with us, that is fine and dandy. Thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening. Everybody have a good day. Good week. Good week.